Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors. But as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% of the population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military. And the other 99% of us, we owe them. Online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephen Tubbs. Welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Thanks so much for making us a part of your Sunday afternoon. Got a great show ahead. As always, we'll wrap up talking with our friends at Warrior Now, the group warriornow.org. You can use my last name, Tubbs, T-U-B-B-S, to get a discount to their upcoming End Veteran Suicide Gala that's coming up on April 8th. We'll have the second half of the program dedicated to our friends Brian Johnson and Watik Alim. We could not do programs like this without our presenting sponsor. Thanks, as always, to attorney John Boson at Boson Law, B-O-E-S-E-N, BosonLaw.com, fighting on behalf of veterans every single day. Their number, 303-999-9999. And again, specializing right now as the countdown continues to the deadline line to file claims if you came into contact with possible toxins at Camp Lejeune. We open up the program, however, with the story, the saga, the international drama between a United States military drone and a Russian jet. The State Department has summoned the Russian ambassador to the U.S. to discuss the incident over the Black Sea. The Pentagon says a Russian fighter jet collided with a U.S. drone in international airspace. U.S. forces then brought the drone down in the Black Sea. The military called it a, quote, unsafe and unprofessional intercept. During a press briefing earlier, Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder said Russia does not have the drone in its possession. He said the interaction was uncommon. I think the key point here is that uh, while intercepts in and of themselves are not that uncommon, uh, the fact that this type of behavior from these Russian pilots, that is uncommon and unfortunate and unsafe. And so, uh, again, would echo General Hecker's call on the Russians to continue to fly safely. CBS News national security correspondent David Martin is with us now. David, what more are we learning about this incident? Well, this was a a Reaper drone, uh, which flies at about 300 miles an hour. 
and it was conducting an intelligence collection patrol out over the Black Sea when it was intercepted by two uh, Russian jet fighters uh, with a top speed of uh, 1,500 miles an hour. So uh, the, the Russian fighters could run rings around the, uh, the drone. And they started making uh, uh, close passes on it, buzzing uh, the drone. And when they would pass right directly overhead of the drone, they would dump fuel on it. And then one of the jets was making another pass, and, he, and this time he cut it too close and clipped the uh, propeller of the drone, sending it crashing down into the um, Black Sea. The, the drone is a, a total loss. Uh, the, um, according to the Air Force, the Russian fighter jet nearly crashed, um, but apparently both the, um, both the Russian fighters uh, survived the incident. So this is not the first time uh, the U.S. has conducted a, uh, an intelligence patrol o over the Black Sea, uh, either before or during uh, the war in Ukraine. I mean, it's a, it's a fairly uh, routine operation, and it's also fairly routine that uh, planes, sometimes they're unmanned, sometimes they're manned, will be intercepted by uh, Russian jet fighters. Usually, uh, those intercepts are uh, what the uh, military calls safe and professional. There's, uh, there's nothing dangerous about them. They pull alongside, observe, and don't interfere with the, uh, the flight of, of the uh, American aircraft. This time, they were clearly out to harass uh, that drone and um, probably did not intend to clip the propeller because that was uh, extremely dangerous for uh, the pilot of that Russian jet. Um, but it just cut it a little too close and sent the, uh, the drone uh, down into the um, Black Sea. Now, one of the capabilities of that Reaper drone is that it sends back <coughs> live video of everything it's uh, seeing. So all of this was captured on video, and we're waiting to see if the uh, the Pentagon is going to release that video. Uh, all of this is very interesting, David. Thank you for providing all this context. Luckily, uh, this was a, an unmanned drone, and we're not talking about any loss of life, but U.S. officials still called this a dangerous situation. This was an in international airspace. Um, as you describe it, there was some level of Russian aggression, uh, at least towards this unmanned U.S. aircraft. So what happens now? Well, the U.S. will uh, obviously uh, protest this uh, to Russia. But um, when something like this happens, uh, you sort of got to get right back up on the horse and uh, send another patrol uh, aircraft out there, whether it's manned or unmanned, uh, I, I don't know. Um, but to establish the principle that um, you, you know you can't be chased away. These are these are international waters, and uh, they have uh, as much right to be there as as the uh, the Russian fighter jets. Uh, obviously, uh, Russia resents it because uh, the purpose of that uh, drone was to gather intelligence about uh, what the Russians are up to in Ukraine. Uh, David, you mentioned the fact that in the past, uh, it's not uncommon to have aircraft that may spot one of these drones and to essentially 
get a closer look, but that this time was different because of, as you described it, the dumping of the fuel on the drone and then the jet getting too close and clipping the drone. Um, If that's the case, I wonder, does this have any kind of uh, recent precedent? Has this happened before Hmm. in recent memory? I don't remember uh, a... uh a fighter, a Russian fighter jet or any fighter jet uh, dumping fuel Mm. on an American aircraft. Um, One of the other things uh, these jets were doing was they'd come over top of of the drone and after dumping the fuel, they would get right in front of the drone Mm. and buffet it with uh, its uh, its jet exhaust. And uh, that is a a fairly common technique. You, You cut in front of a a patrol plane, and then you uh, uh, you will hit the afterburners and uh, and cause uh, a wake that will uh, jostle uh, them around. That too is uh, considered unsafe. In these incidents, you, you sort of never know whether it was a hot dogging pilot who simply misjudged, or whether this was a pilot. Uh, doing exactly as he had been told mm-hmm. That's um, the question. by his commanders. And when you just look at this, I, I don't know this, but ju- when you just look at this, uh, if they're out there dumping fuel, I mean, this this sounds um, much more premeditated than just a, a hot dogging uh, pilot uh, out to have a little fun. Right. And the <clears> question <throat> would be then, you know, following orders and who put those orders into place. And then the question is, why? What happens next? Why right now? All right. A lot of open questions. David Martin, thank you so much, David. That from CBS News and National Security Correspondent David Martin from the Pentagon. Now, coming up in our next segment, we'll have more. In fact, as the week progressed, we'll hear from Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. We'll also get the latest from CBS News as we record here late in the week uh, for a Sunday program. And then also in our next segment, a member of the greatest generation, a member of the greatest generation who was at Pearl Harbor and was assigned to the USS Arizona. We'll remember him as he passed in Arizona last week. Glad you're with us. We continue. We're off and running. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Now, back to the American Veteran Show. Here's Stefan Tubbs. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for making us a Sunday habit. Again, our website, AmericanVeteranShow.com. If you've missed a past episode, you can also visit 710KNUS.com and just search for the American Veteran Show. We'll continue our coverage of what was pretty darn big international news this past week, a United States military drone. It was run into, if you will, after fuel was sprayed on it by a Russian jet. Late in the week, this from CBS News. New video showing the physical confrontation between a U.S. surveillance drone and two Russian fighter jets over the Black Sea. This video, released by the Pentagon, shows the warplanes making several aggressive maneuvers near the drone and dumping fuel on it. The Pentagon released pictures of the damage moments before the drone crashed into the Black Sea. CBS's Ed O'Keefe has all the new details and will start us off tonight from the White House. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Nora. One White House official today said the Russians have been, quote, flat out lying when they say two Russian jets never touched the drone. And now they've released the images to prove it. 
The footage shows Russian jets making two passes from behind the drone, dousing it in a cloudy stream of fuel before one clips its propeller. Separate still images show what the drone's propeller looked like before and after, the damage forcing American operators to let it glide down into the Black Sea. The visual evidence appears to refute Russia's claims that neither of its jets hit the drone. One U.S. official tells CBS News it was clear the Russian pilot meant to drench the drone in gasoline, but cut it too close. Nora spoke with the Navy's top officer for 60 minutes this Sunday. How often do these types of dangerous maneuvers happen with the Russian military? We are operating in close proximity to the Russians fairly often, uh, and the vast majority of those interactions are safe and they're professional. But what happened with that drone over the Black Sea was unsafe, and it was unprofessional, and it was in violation of international law. CBS News has learned the Russian pilots weren't going rogue, but following orders from military leaders to harass the drone. Some of the drone wreckage found along the surface of the Black Sea was recovered today by Russian ships, but they've since left the area because it's within missile range of Ukrainian forces. And now CBS News has learned the U.S. is reassessing its drone operations over the Black Sea and whether the intelligence collection is worth the risk of escalation. That from the White House and CBS newsman Ed O'Keefe. Also last week, we heard from Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. I want to say just a few words about a troubling episode yesterday. I know that everyone here has heard that Russian aircraft again engaged in dangerous, reckless, and unprofessional practices on Tuesday in international airspace over the Black Sea. Two Russian jets dumped fuel on an unmanned U.S. MQ-9 aircraft conducting routine operations in international airspace. And one Russian jet intercepted and hit our MQ-9 aircraft, resulting in a crash. This hazardous episode is a part of a pattern of aggressive and risky and unsafe actions by Russian pilots in international airspace. So make no mistake, the United States will continue to fly and to operate wherever international law allows. And it is incumbent upon Russia to operate its military aircraft in a safe and professional manner. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin from last week at the Pentagon. Now, what you're going to hear next is from Fox News just late last week. Senator Joni Ernst, a Republican from Iowa, in fact, had a chance to meet her late last fall. Right ahead of the November elections, uh, Joni Ernst was in town campaigning for Heidi Ganahl for governor. This from Fox just a few days ago. It is very aggressive action on their part. And again, it was international airspace. We have every right to be there. This administration needs to step up to the bar and push back very firmly. I don't care whether it's Russia, whether it's China, whether it's Iran. We have got to have an administration that is willing to lead and show America's might and stop this aggressive action. Senator, when you say that America needs to push back firmly, how firmly are you talking? Well, and we're not talking about any level of human intervention, you know, aggressive military action, anything like that. But we need to show that we are not going to let the Russians 
push us in or out of international airspace. Um, so we need to get right back out there. Um, we need to have a presence in that region. That is absolutely clear. But again, we need to lead on this front and not cower in the face of adversity when we have Iran, when we have Russia, when we have China growing in strength all around us in every single domain. Ari Fleischer on our air last night said that we need to take down a Russian drone in response. Would you go that far, Senator? Uh, a like response, yes, that, that is something that I could be very supportive of. Um, and it doesn't need to be a random act. I think we do have to act very carefully. But a like response, you can see in this video, it is quite clear that it was intentional intentional in international airspace. Um, so I, I think we need to push back on the Russians. They should not be allowed to get away with this. You know, are they just testing the United States and, and testing really the lack of aggression we've seen by this administration? Well, of course they are. We see this with every uh, adversary around the globe, whether it's China, whether it's Iran, whether it's North Korea, and most certainly in this example, Russia. Uh, we have very weak leadership here in the United States of America. I firmly believe in Reagan's peace through strength. When we show that we are strong, we won't have adversaries that are poking us in the eye. Uh, Joe Biden has allowed this to happen from day one. We saw this with the fall of Afghanistan. We saw it when he started pulling back in Ukraine instead of strengthening the Ukrainian people. Um, and we see this certainly as China is eyeballing Taiwan. We have very, very weak leadership right now in the White House. Very fortuitous that we have a senator like yourself from the Senate Armed Services Committee on the moment we get this video into our newsroom. As for the drone itself, General Milley did not seem very concerned that the Russians will be able to take much away from it when they recover the pieces. Do you agree? I do agree. I think uh, the drone is probably highly damaged if they can reclaim any of that. Um, but uh, we need to continue pushing uh, the Russians and maintaining our presence in this area. Again, we have every right to be there. It is in our national security interests. I don't think the Russians will be able to recover Understood. much, if anything. But we need to continue. Again, that from Fox and Iowa Republican Senator Joni Ernst. And we wrap up this segment with a nod of respect and a salute to a member of the greatest generation. His name, Jack Holder. He died in Chandler, Arizona last week. He was 101 years old, and he was certainly in the heart of the start of World War II at Pearl Harbor. Fair winds and following seas is a phrase used in the Navy, meaning good luck. That, I think, is what I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss my friend. And in this case, farewell to a survivor of that infamous day on December 7th, 1941, that he kept hidden for decades. They don't want to remember being shot at. They don't want to remember the deprivation. Bob Dalpy, a veterans advocate from Chandler, met Jack at a Battle of Midway Remembrance Ceremony more than 10 years ago. He, along with other veterans, helped Jack open up about his experiences in the war, including Pearl Harbor, serving as a PBY crew member on several missions in the Pacific Theater, and a flight engineer in Europe. But it took time, a long time. These guys just hit it. They pushed it away. It wasn't really part of my life. And Jack really did struggle there for a little while. Since then, Jack had visited Pearl Harbor on several occasions, remembering that fateful day in his life. 
He's also spoken openly about his service at events and schools and written about it in a book. Thank you for your service. He's also been celebrated with a neighborhood parade for his 99th birthday and at 100, an honor flight that took him back into time briefly. Well, I thought it was great. Uh, it brought back all the memories. Uh, I still had a little of it. Jack's lasting legacy is that he was a great representative of all World War II veterans. He spoke their story because he was an average GI. And to a lot of people, you see in the movies, you see these great heroes. Most GIs are just the average person. With Jack's passing, there are now, at most, two remaining Pearl Harbor survivors in Arizona and 30 to 50 nationally. We lose a chunk of history. We lose, a, I think, a chunk of ourselves. That day, you know, it's a day of infamy. And it's a, like 9-11 for, for most of us. It was, you knew where you were at. People knew where they were at, you know, on Pearl Harbor Day. That from ABC 15 in Phoenix, Arizona. When we come back, we'll welcome in our friends of the program once again as they try to promote attendance, and may it be a sold-out event, the End Veteran Suicide Gala, coming up April 8th that wings over the Rockies Museum. We'll talk with our friends with the group Warrior Now. That comes up next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stephan Tubbs. Welcome back to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. It is a pleasure to have you on this Sunday, and it's also a pleasure to have our return friend of the program. Brian Johnson is with the group Warrior Now, and they are upcoming having their second annual End Veteran Suicide Gala. It's at Wings Over the Rockies Museum. Brother, it is good to see you again, and thank you. Yeah, you as well. Thank you. Uh, remind us about your your service, and we'll get into what you're doing now, obviously, with Warrior Now. But uh, talk about your deployment. Yeah, eight years Army. Uh, I was a uh, wrecker recovery operator, uh, and I did 187 combat missions while over with uh, various units, 4th ID, 101st, um, just uh, various other units. I, I volunteered to extend, so I was out there for quite some time, just a little over a year and a half. Uh, for the the entire stint of duty. Um, it was fun. It was great, but I ended up getting some injuries. Uh, I got hit by a few IEDs. I also got a, a couple vehicle accidents, um, some things that caused a, a severe spinal cord injury, as well as uh, some other various uh, uh, traumatic brain injuries and things. Uh, it just sent me on a interesting journey, if you will. But yeah, uh, eight years uh, and loved every minute of it. I mean, no offense, brother, but you're smiling. And, you know, you come in here and you're talking about IEDs and car accidents and, you know, but you got a smile on your face. Sounds like no regrets. None, none. I mean, I, I believe in service. It's always been ingrained in my head. So something I teach my kids is something I teach other people. It doesn't matter what happens to you when you serve. What matters is that you serve. Hmm. Brian Johnson is his name, uh, true patriot hero, and don't you say anything because I can call you that even if you don't want to accept it. Uh, talk to me about why the military for you. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I come from a, a family of non-vets. Uh, my great-granddaddy, who I barely knew, was the only other veteran that I had actually known in the family. Uh, in fact, when I joined, I was told that, you know, that's not, it's against the Lord. It's against all the things that I come from a very religious family. And it's just, it just meant a lot to me. 9-11 happens, right? Like in, uh, right whenever that happened, I really wanted to sign up then. It took me a few months, but then I signed up a few months after. And um, yeah, I just wanted to protect this nation. You know, this, this gave me everything that I have today. 
uh, you know, to be a part of the the reason why our youth and, and our, our, in fact, our entire society is able to move forward is just awesome. What do you remember, Brian, about 9-11 specifically? Where were you? Uh, I was at a buddy's house. I actually had an interview in uh, DIA at UPS. Uh, I was doing their, I was interviewing for one of their plane loader positions, uh, but I was at his house. I had just got back from DIA and I'm just staring at it. And I'm like, this is interesting. Like I was just at an airport. What, and again, we don't think I was 20, barely 20 years old. Yeah. I'm like, this isn't real. Like this is, and, and it was, I mean, to this day, I still am like, man, to this, all these people, all these people impacted and somebody actually did this to our, uh, on American soil. Um, yeah, the memories are still there. The, the service, the reason why we serve, I mean, that, that just is ingrained in me forever. There was a time, I, I was just this past week with a, a, a panel of veterans, just amazing group of individuals from 97 years old down to the young guy who was about 41, World War II to Afghanistan and deployment for the Afghanistan veteran, uh, all of, of 2010. And they all can remember that time. And there were a couple, literally a couple of the older guys, Vietnam veterans, they were telling a story just this past week here in the metro area about going down to uh, a recruiting station and having the sergeant say, mm, well, in so many words, he wanted to say, you, you, you old farts are too old, right? But instead, you all are too experienced. But man, it, it's important to remember that time where for you, it changed your life. That right. moment, you know, it was a few weeks later, you're signed up and then you're over there for, good God, 187 missions? 187, yeah. Yeah, <sighs> who's counting? Exactly. Man, <laughs> but it did change your life. And then you look back at you're at your friend's house. You just come from DIA. I mean, it's just amazing how life works and what you've seen, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, that sent me on a trajectory of awesome, uh, just awesome experiences that I've had throughout my life. Uh, the, the moment of service really took hold. I started working with uh, I, got, I became a local cop. I also volunteer a lot with Special Olympics and other various nonprofits just to be able to give back to uh, you know, those who don't have everything that I was able to get and earn. So, Well, one of the reasons we're here, Brian Johnson with Warrior Now, uh, is your second annual and veteran suicide gala. It's coming up April 8th, and we'll put all of the information out on our social media. But um, you don't have to do this, man. Why? <laughs> well, I mean, I was there. Uh, so I, I uh, successfully killed myself about 10 years ago. Uh, I was revived, had another attempt, and then um, finally got the help I needed. That kind of changed everything for me because I was, you know, when you're dealing with a traumatic brain injury, uh, but you don't know how to communicate properly, I was in a weird spot in my own head. Um, community is what kind of drug it out and being able to access the, the care um, in, in a way that I felt trust, like I was able to trust the care that I was receiving is really what turned everything for me. So with Warrior Now, now stands for Network of Warriors. It's all about us Everyone that's trying to battle PTSD, trying to battle suicide, trying to battle addiction, how do we do this together? Because uh, there's so many nonprofits. I think the last time I counted, 96,000 nationwide veteran nonprofits. And, and if I may, way too many. You way know, too many. They're, they're, some of them are duplicating things. There are some that are operating. Some, uh, when you say nearly 100,000, I mean, some have been in the past exposed and for nefarious reasons they were doing it. And there are so many that are doing it right. But it's almost overwhelming. Like for me, Joe Citizen, like, 
wow, I better do my due diligence to to pick uh, the right and just, I guess, military veterans charity. Right. And, and you're right. There's so many. Uh, and it's hard to tell which ones are are, are still operating in the, the right way. I think uh, I read 80% of nonprofits close their doors after two years. So there's some, those, that's a red flag. Yeah. Um, the, but there's a lot of great organizations out there that focus on so many different things and their missions coincide with other people's missions. You know, you take nonprofits that work specifically with people with PTSD and then you marry that with a nonprofit that works specifically with somebody who becomes judicially impacted. And then you marry that with somebody with a nonprofit who works specifically with addiction. And now all of a sudden you have that network. And that's really what it's about. Um, we, we want to bring all these nonprofits to the forefront because uh, rather than having 96,000 hands sticking out in front of you saying, give me, give me, give me, how do we do this together? And that's one of the things that Warrior Now does is with all of our fundraising, it impacts so many other nonprofits because we bring everyone together to provide the service. We call it um, the clinical director says we're putting mental health, we're turning it upside down because traditional mental health is just not working. Let's just face the facts, right? right? If it was working, we wouldn't have an increased suicide rate. We wouldn't have 20 to 22 to 25 a day. Right, right. We wouldn't have 17 of those 22 not accessing care at the VA. Like the, there's a lot of things that are just not working and how do we turn it upside down and actually address the issues? Uh, and through that's going to be community. You and I can have a conversation. I can go have a conversation with a doctor, and it would be a completely different conversation. I can go have a conversation with another veteran brother, and it would be a completely different conversation. And not only just different conversation, but different information exchange. You may tell me as yes. a as you know, in a I'm just a lowly civilian, but in a fictitious scenario, if I'm your battle buddy, you're going to tell me probably a little bit different information and in a different way than you'd tell that clinician. That's absolutely right. And and my battle buddy is going to get more probably better medical information than uh, I could yeah. ever, ever tell a clinician. And what's cool about this is, is we bring people to places where they feel comfortable to discuss these things. And we secretly bring in cl- clinicians so they can be there to, you know, kind of listen around for red flags and things like that. We don't secretly do it. We do it. People know it, but they're there for that reason. So when conversations do happen, because we are more prone to open up to other, other vets, when those conversations do happen, all of a sudden now we have a breakout session. We do these at bowling. We do these at volleyball. We do these in the community. Uh, we do the uh, mostly rec. It's called recreational therapy. Um, but we find something that's adaptive that any veteran can do, regardless of your injuries. We make it available to you. And we just shove it full, a room full of vets. And we say, hey, here we go. We're going to do this. We're going to do this together so we can get you from isolating. Uh, we can get you back into the community, which is going to get us back on the journey of life. We need to clone you, brother. We do. Beard and all. <laughs> I do love the beard. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a sweet look, man. Brian Johnson is with Warrior. Now, what's the best website for people to get information? And in our next segment, we'll get more into specifically the gala. Yeah, uh, warriornow.org, warriornow.com. Uh, you can go to either one of those, and you're going to find all the information you need. Coming up in our next segment with Brian, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the um, the ending suicide gala with Warrior Now. It's coming up on April 8th. Um, I'm going to pre-warn him as we go to our break that he says he's happy and things are great and he doesn't regret a day. Then why try to take your own life? Right. And we'll talk about that coming up next with Brian Johnson with Warrior Now. It's warriornow.org, warriornow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, americanveteranshow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stefan Tubbs. 
We wrap up this week's edition of the American Veteran Show with a friend of the program, and uh, his name is Brian Johnson. He's not the guy with ACDC, but he's got a ZZ Top beard. How's that? That is a good way to describe you. That's exactly <laughs> how I get described. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to, to to welcome you back. You know, we we had you on uh, last year for a, a preview of this. You know, first ever ending suicide gala with the um, with the nonprofit Warrior Now, and again, WarriorNow.org. It's coming up on on April eighth. Listen. I think it, it goes without saying how much I respect you because you come in here and you, you speak the truth and you, you, you talk about warts and all, right? And you have uh, on, on a, a previous occasion. But we started off, you know, last segment with everything, you know, you were severely injured. You, you have post-traumatic stress. Eight years, 187 combat missions. And you had a really positive spin on it, and you were smiling through it, and I believe you. But then, if you won't, if you don't mind going there with me, did you learn that happiness and looking back at joy? Because you, you were dead, man. You you've attempted suicide. Yeah, it. I had to learn that. I had to get back into a better spot. I was not in a good spot uh, when I came home from war. I went through multiple divorces. I went through a lot of things, and I just because I had unaddressed. PTSD, unaddressed TBI. Uh, when we, I was in the very beginning stages of the war, so whenever you got a concussion or you got knocked out, none of that mattered. Uh, it was, yep. hey, get back up, get back in. Yep. Get back and in that's there. what we did. Um, but then I find out that you intermix PTSD medications with TBI. It has a completely adverse effect on Let you. Let me ask you, how many, if you don't mind me asking, how what's the most amount of medication you how many how many pills bottles so uh, we're going to talk about it because that's what it is i was i was a bad addiction to both narcotics and to mental health meds i found out which ones i wanted uh, i found out which ones would give me the uh, the the feelings that i needed yeah, yeah. Uh, to stay alive in fact i got to the point to where i was on a what we call the suicide cocktail uh, which was Vicodin, morphine, and Xanax, all prescribed. And I was on that for mo- no less than four years Now, straight. was this lying to doctors, or was this ju- – this was just – Yeah, no. Uh, wow. So, I, yeah, it, it's literally – so I, I live now today pain-free – or not pain-free, sorry, med-free. Uh, but I've understood that pain will be a part of my life forever. I no longer need to mask the pain uh, with medications and things like that. I just now understand that it's going to be a part of it. It was, uh, there was not, I didn't have to lie to doctors uh, to get what I wanted. I have clear injuries. I have a spinal cord injury that they're like, hey, you should be, and I am, I'm partially paralyzed. And I got a few things that are happening. They're like, yeah, do you want a better way of life? Here you go. And so they just started handing it out like candy. Now, would Dr. A know what Dr. B was prescribing as well? That's probably where I was getting around and getting the amount of medications I was getting uh, is because of that right there. So I would have a private doctor and I would have a VA doc. And so I was getting double dosage sometimes. Right. Uh, And that was. Oh, and what your body is going through, right? In your mind. Right. I mean, I was taking over 5,000 milligrams of this stuff, and that's enough to basically put down an elephant on a daily basis. Daily. Daily. So, I mean, I know there's going to be some adverse effects I deal with in the future, but at the end of the day, it's been now for me 
coming up on 12 years without a single one. So, Brother, I'm proud of you, man. Me I too. Know, I mean, I hope you are. Brian Johnson is with the group Warrior now. Their their end Veterans Suicide Gala is coming up at the Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum. It's April 8th. Uh, how can we get uh, more information on tickets? Is it at the Warrior Now website? It is. It's right there on the on the cover. Uh, InVeteranSuicide.com is another website, but WarriorNow.org, WarriorNow.com has it right there on the cover. We do have a, a special promo code, TUBS. Uh, all get caps. Out. Yep. So if you guys get on there, you can get a discount code specific from Tubbs. We like do it. want you guys to come out because the whole point of this is to turn mental health upside down. Right. That's where all this money's going to. We're we're taking what the VA is doing. We're taking what private doctors are doing. We're implementing some of the good things, but we're also bringing in this rec thing. We're bringing in the more of the community uh, and more of the. Uh, so we we have a, a mantra: uh, camaraderie, structure, and purpose. And those are the three things that are ripped from us when we leave the military. Those are the three things we're trying to get back to our to the veteran community so they can get back on the way of life. Brian, I, I ask you this, and I know it is it is painful, and your candor is, I mean, again, we need to clone you because um, we need the veteran voices. Well, I got two parts. First, does it see – brother, the Iraq War started 20 years tw- – more than 20 more years than ago. 20. It's hard to believe that. Is that insanity? It's hard. It is. It is. I'm looking back now because I was one of the first waves, not the initial first wave, but I was in the second. And it's just like that was 22 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think it was uh, officially 03 uh, when the, the war in Iraq started. But we know obviously a couple of years prior was was 9-11. And that's when your life is completely changed, going from the living room of a friend's house after you came back from DIA, hoping for a UPS job. And look at I mean. Look at 22 years later. My number is six, and I wonder what your number is. And I I bet you if you thought not too many milliseconds, you know what I'm talking about. I know six, six veterans, not my battle buddies. As a civilian to respecting their service, my number is six, the number of, of men that have taken their own life. What's your number? That's a lot. Um, this is where I'm not going to be so candid. Um, I've lost a lot of people. Uh, I know I've personally died, but losing people and me still being here hurts. You got to do it for them. I am. Uh, I mean, that's, that's Look what you're doing now, man. We're keeping it moving. We're keeping it going forward. Uh, I don't even have that number. I know that at the gala this year, we're, we're trying to get these names put up on the, on the board. Um, good grief. I know that every time I go to uh, Logan, I mean, I'm yeah. visiting no less than 22 people, 23 people now. Um, and it's all through either impacts of suicide or impacts of addictions that have caused them to lose their life. And you just, you, you know, you, this is where I just, I, I tip the cap to you and to those of you connected with Warrior Now and what you're trying to do and what you are doing. It's not just trying, you are doing, but we need to get more people involved and more attention, obviously. But I'm telling you, it's that number that number's way too high. You way. know it. You know it. The the number of, of people that between you and I that we can visit at Fort Logan is – and we're talking – these aren't family members. You know, these are friends. What about their families, right? Yeah, and that's been kind of cool because even though I'm losing battle buddies, I'm gaining family. Uh, and, and I keep in touch with a lot of family members of my battle buddies, and it's really neat. Mm-hmm. Um, Has this been part of what you do now? Um, you know, post service is it is it kind of cathartic, therapeutic 
Absolutely it is. <laughs> I mean, we want to put on a cape and help the other people even though we're suffering. That's what I was doing before. Now I've actually been able to get past some of my, my own mental health or I get back on mental health and now I'm actually helping people in a, in a positive light. But it is, it is. It's, it's therapeutic for me knowing that I continue to serve. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want you to come on the regular program as we get a little bit closer to the April 8th day. If, if you'll, uh, if you'll indulge me, I'd love to have you on. Once again, it's warriornow.org, warriornow.com. Uh, it's end veteran suicide gala. I want you to speak to as we wrap up. Again, Brian Johnson with Warrior Now. Speak to somebody right now. We never know, right, who's listening to us. We, we're on the American Veteran Show. You never know the potential audience uh, or, or, you know, a friend or family of a veteran. What do you say to them, especially if they're struggling right now? Yeah, if you know somebody that's struggling or you're struggling yourself, just know that there is help. But at the end of the day, what you can do, I mean, you can support them by Obviously, getting a ticket to the uh, Inveteran Suicide Gala, you can support them by supporting other various nonprofits. Just know that help is out there, uh, and we've developed that ability to reach out to these individuals. So if you don't feel comfortable talking to them, let us do that. That's one, one of the things we actually will do. We'll call them on your behalf. I like the promo code. Thank Tubs. you. All <laughs> caps. All caps. T-U-B-B-S. WarriorNow.org. And get your discount. And we'll see you on April 8th at Wings Over the Rockies. Brother, with all the love I can give you, man, thank you. Thank you. This has been great. Brian Johnson. WarriorNow.org. WarriorNow.com. The End Veteran Suicide Gala. That wraps up this week's edition of the program. For our wonderful producer, Michael Arpaio, I'm Stephen Tubbs. Have a terrific week ahead. We're back next week with another edition of the program. And remember our troops. The American Veterans Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. And join us next week for another edition of The American Veterans Show. Lots of channels. Nothing to watch. Especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel. Straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.